This is Hans Scheil from the Finishing Well podcast. On Finishing Well, we help you make godly choices about Medicare, long-term care, and your money. Your chosen Truth Network podcast is starting in just seconds. Enjoy it, share it, but most of all, thank you for listening and choosing the Truth Podcast Network. This is the Truth Network. Coming to you from an entrenched barricade deep in the heart of Central North Carolina. Masculine Journey After Hours. A time to go deeper and be more transparent on the topic covered on this week's broadcast. So sit back and join us on this adventure. The Masculine Journey After Hours starts here now. Welcome to Masculine Journey After Hours. And we are in the middle of our what we called our pillar series. Now it's a palette series. Now it's a, maybe it's a palette series. We called it tools, and then we called it toolbox. Yeah, and now nobody so, understands what palette is. So yeah, exactly. So clarify. So are we talking like okay, you have pillars, these nice columns, uh, and now are we talking like the pillars you get from like the um, home improvement store and stack up those palettes? palettes? No. Okay. Good. No. Just just clarification. What other kind of palette do we have, Harold? The roof of Satan's mouth. But that's yeah. not it either. That's not it. No. What's left, Sam? You're the painter. Well, ish. Right. <laughs> it's, uh, no, we started talking, and Robbie, I think, uh, coined yep, the term. He did. He, uh, Satan's palette. Because mm-hmm. we're talking about, he uses all these things that we're calling pillars, these tools that he uses against us in conjunction with one another. It's like making a painting in our life. You know, he dabbles in a little bit of pride, and then he throws some shame right behind it, and then he's going to, you know, throw this other one in over here and unforgiveness, you know, to, to, to top it off. And, and so he's got all these things that he throws in constantly in our life, kind of like a, a, I don't even know what you would call it, but just a opaque kind shading. Of, yeah. Yeah. Of our life. There's a, there's a truth, but then there's a shade that's just close to it, but not quite the truth. Yes. And yeah. it's just, a, just off from that true blue. It's just a little off blue, a little greenish in there. And it's like, just enough to get you going down the wrong path. Oh, it'd be green if we had envy. That's one I no, haven't covered yet. So oh, we, we to, need to put that one in. But yeah, we're that, trying to bring pillar. light to expose it. We are. We are. Yeah, so this week, this week we are talking about, Andy, what are we talking about this week? Um, pride. Pride. And pride or ego. Or ego. Right? Kind of work hand in hand. They do kind of work hand but in hand. Go by yeah. ego. First sin. Was it pride or ego or both? Well, it says pride, but it was both. Both, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of hard to have one without the other. Yep, they kind of walk hand in hand, as you yeah, said. Yeah, I guess whenever you're wanting people to worship you because you're so beautiful, that's probably more an ego. I don't know. Yeah, I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get out the dictionary, I, Jim. Come on, Jim. I, I have hit, a hit us with the definitions. Uh, yeah, I have a mirror at home. I know that I, <laughs> that's not the case. So, David, let's go ahead and go with your clip. Let's talk about that. All right, so it comes from uh, Back to Future number three. Um, I hope everybody has seen that uh, blockbuster film. Um, Marty McFly travels back to the future uh, in the wild, wild west and uh, is basically trying to defend um, Doc Brown's honor. And ultimately, through every series of this movie, he gets called some sort of yellow, some sort of coward, and lets pride stand in his way on it. So we'll listen to the clip, and then we'll talk about it. There had been something that happened with some pie plates or pie tins. Oh, yeah. He, uh, you know, instead of pulling a gun out and shooting the guy that had a gun, he threw an empty, empty pie pan. And I think that kind of shows a little bit more of where he thinks he's better than everybody else on that. He thinks <laughs> I could just hit you with a pie tin. Bullets <laughs> okay. don't matter. Here we go. 
You. Hey, lighten up, jerk. Mighty strong words, Runt. You man enough to back them up with more than just a pie plate? Look, just leave my friends alone. Oh, what's wrong, dude? You yellow? <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> yellow belly. Nobody calls me yellow. Let's finish it right now. Oh, uh, not now, Buford. Uh, Marshall's got our guns. Like I said, we'll finish this tomorrow. Tomorrow we're robbing the Pine City stage. What about Monday? We doing anything Monday? Uh, no, Monday be fine. You can kill him on Monday. I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then. Right there, out in the street, in front of the palace alone. Yeah, right. When? High noon? Noon. I do my killing before breakfast. Seven o'clock. Eight o'clock. I do my killing after breakfast. Marty. You know, I think, uh, you know, he shows his pride there in several instances where he always has to be that one-upper, always has to have an, a response to everything that Biff is throwing back at him. And I think, you know, as as men going through our life, you know, that that's that's where the enemy gets us on that. You know, um, we, we potentially leave a door open, our back door open, and uh, it ends up being where the enemy can attach onto that pride, whatever it is um, that we see in our life, and, and just really just take it home on us. Well, thank you. It's uh, did he call him Buford in that? So he did. Is, is it not Biff in the third one? It's Unless... Biff Buford Tannen. Oh, okay. So he goes. And Marty was Clint Eastwood. I'm pretty sure that's what he said his name was. In that. Yeah, they had to get his permission. Yeah, Clint Eastwood's permission to use it. I, I just saw a TikTok on that embarrassingly the other day. Yeah. <laughs> so <I did>. um, <clears throat> there is something in us as men and the enemy knows that if he calls us the right name if he can get somebody to call us the right name we'll respond mm-hmm. right for, for Marty McFly mm-hmm. we want to look back and say whenever somebody called him chicken or yellow you know he, he rose up mm-hmm. but I would say that there's probably a buzz term that will activate pretty much most men <laughs> if you can just get that button pushed mm-hmm. Usually tied to something from the past. Uh, tied to pain from the past? Oh, mine was, you know, I was a car salesman. And so, and it was, well, I was worse than Marty McFly. I really was. If they, somebody called me crook, mm. you're a crook. Oh, baby. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Robert's trigger <laughs> it was. You know, the, it, it was amazing. I can remember many a time I had this pencil, this great big pencil, you know, <laughs> People always say, get your pencil sharp. So I had this giant pencil, man. And this couple, I can remember them at Crown Dodge one night about 1130. We're trying to close this deal. And this this man looks at me and he goes, you're nothing but a crook. I picked up the pencil. And I'm like, this crook is fixing to have your head, buddy. I'm I'm sitting here working, trying to help you. Oh, man. Oh, it was was very embarrassing. I felt worse than Marty McFly on more than one occasion. All you had to do was... Call me a crook. Yeah, for me, it's uh, if somebody calls me a liar, <laughs> it attacks my integrity. That'll that'll push me over the edge pretty much quicker than almost anything. Mm. You know, have I lied in my life? Absolutely, I have, but I, I try not to. You know, um, and so I, I really try hard not to do that. Mm. Be very intentional about not doing that. And so I think when somebody calls you something that you try hard not to be, as you talked about, crook. Right, you're doing everything you can to be on the forefront 
up front with them, mm. right? And and they still do it that way, Jim. Well, as a liar and a crook, those don't bother me as much. <laughs> hey, my, my rough one was arrogance. Jim, we're not at confession now, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Arrogance uh, gets me if somebody says I'm arrogant because I try not to be. But uh, and maybe I should give this to you guys too. But when I heard it, I realized I was, and the truth hurts. So maybe those are the ones that hurt us most or the ones that we recognize in ourselves. Robbie, I think he's calling us a liar. In the <laughs> this show may end quickly. <laughs> We've never had a full mutiny, have we? I got my pencil out in the garage. <laughs> Sharpen it up. We're going to get it. Yeah. So, uh, Andy, let's go ahead and talk about your – oh, Harold, you had a point? Go ahead, Harold. You guys keep talking about things you can do something about. How about getting called shorty? <laughs> you learn to live with it, Harold. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I've Andy? got I've got a bump for next week for you, Harold. <laughs> Short, Short people. No reason. Uh, Randy Newman, great singer. And I might have a bump for you too. <laughs> Touche. Well said. Uh, I'm on the op- opposite end of that spectrum from Harold and uh, I had a guy that was quite tall told me one time that he's so tired at hearing people say, how's the weather up there? He started spitting on them and say it was raining. <laughs> That's, right. That's it. That's work. That. So Andy, you want to tell us a little bit about your clip? So this uh, clip is from Remember the Titans. Um, this, the teams have come together. The, the black and white schools were merging, and they were getting ready to go to camp. And uh, coaches going around meeting everybody, meeting the new players, and there's really a lot of pride. There, you can you can probably count out four or five occurrences of pride because you know this is football. You know everybody takes it serious, and you've got these guys that are all Americans trying to tell the coach what to do, and this is kind of the result. Good morning, good morning, good morning, coaches. How are you? Good morning. To you. How are you? It's good day, doesn't it? Just wanted to let you know what the offense is doing. An awful skinny playbook, ain't it? Yeah, well, I run six plays, split beers like Novocaine. Just give it time, always works. See you on the bus. Be patient, Bill. Your time will come. Well, here we go. Here we go. I'm going to help you boys. I'm Gary Bertier. The only All-American you've got on this team. You want any of us to play for you? You reserve half the open positions for Hammond players. Half the offense, half the special teams. We don't need any of your people on defense. We're already set. Uh-huh. Don't need none of my people. Mm-hmm. But you say your name was uh, Jerry? Gary. No, you must have said Jerry like Lewis, which would make you <laughs> Dean Martin, right? Ladies and gentlemen, got an announcement to make. We got Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin going to camp with us here this year. Jerry tells the jokes, Dean sings the songs, and gets the girl. Let's give him a round of applause. Which folks? Gary. Parents, are they here? Well, that's my mother. That's your mama? Mm-hmm. Very nice, that way. Take a good look at her. Because once you get on that bus, you ain't got no mama no more. You got your brothers on the team, and you got your daddy. Now, you know who your daddy is, don't you? Gary, if you want to play on this football team, you answer me when I ask you, who is your daddy? Who's your daddy, Gary? Who's your daddy? You. Uh-huh. And whose team is this? Is this your team? Or is this your daddy's team? Yours. Mm-hmm. Get on the bus. Put your jacket on first. Uh, Dean? 
fix that tie, son. <laughs> so there's a lot of humor in there, but there's a lot of truth in it. And, you know, you just think about it. So what, what would have been the fruit of that if they would have just let that pride fester and, you know, the All-American told the coach what to do and nobody really humbled themselves and they continued on? What would you have had? Would you have had discord, no football season, successful football season, no reconciliation of races? No one would have remembered the Titans. No, exactly. <laughs> it would have been forget the Titans. You know, it's like basically describing the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> no comment there, but you know, when you see that, you see that humility that has to take place, and you see it all. That's it's really just a continuation of humility. But there's a lot of pride all throughout the movie. I mean, talking about sunshine the guy that comes and the star quarterback and he's all he's has to be humble but he ends up leading the team it's just all over that movie but you know i I mean just thinking about my life okay i was um i felt like i was really good at my career and i um was trying to work my um way up the company ladder get some success you know make a name for myself and i just kept you know Running into people who, you know, that disagreed with me, upset me. I always wanted to be right. And my career just hit a wall. And, you know, it's kind of like to Bob's point earlier, it's it's like I felt like God was really, really leading me into taking the lowest seat of the table. I was I had a lot of pride that I needed to be humbled. And, you know, I really believe the fruit of the masculine journey is that you find men who thought they were making something of themselves and getting some success, and God had to take them back to first grade, kindergarten, to start over and to really allow him to build them up in through humility to where we're actually living out what he intended for us to. Thank you, Andy. Robbie? I, I just liked it because when you think about that, who's your daddy? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and whose team, you know, <laughs> whose right. team is it that you're I'm playing? not the All-American. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. <laughs> the uh, Well, let's talk about Satan's. Go ahead, Bob. Satan's palate. So he mixes shame in with you know, this pride and, and ego. I mean, just like we were talking about from last week. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of shame and from my work. I felt like I wasn't doing a good job, and I felt like uh, God was kind of pushing me into it. And like that, the point wasn't shame that I was that I was just way too overworked. And and his point was, you know, I finally got to the point of, of swallowing that pill, like they just had to do in, in that clip, and just okay, and then just realizing, uh, okay, this is not, this is my pride here, and I just I can't fix this at this current job. I need to to move on. So um, Satan was kind of like trying to drill me in with shame and, and with the pride and then I finally was like, hey, no, God, I'm listening to you. I'm going to you know, swallow my pride and, and uh, look for a new job. Good word. Yeah, Thank there's you. a lot of marginalization there where he just tries to get you off by yourself and be alone again. Yeah. Thinking back on the movie, Andy, Remember the Titans, the whole movie is about breaking pride. Yeah, it really is. Right, on on all sides of the equation, mm-hmm. right? You had it when the um, linebackers are, you know, going at each other, yep. right? About And it was pride-driven for yep. both of them. Uh, you have have Boone, the head coach, and then I can't remember the Yost, other. Yost, Yost, yeah, and he, they, was, he was trying to win, win the award for best coach or, you know, uh, history, uh, I don't forget. Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame, yeah, for Virginia, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and both of them had to battle through their pride right. 
and to set it aside and humble themselves. And that was what was the good thing about that movie. A, it's based on a true story. Right. But B, without everybody humbling their pride, there's no unity. Right. Right. You can't have one person that hangs out in the pride thing and have unity very often. Yeah. I can't mm-hmm. think of when that really works. Yeah, hard to get a bunch of we in all of eyes. Yeah, when it's all about me, mm-hmm. there's no yeah. we there. Yeah. Exactly. Now, Rodney, you have a clip as well. I do, and I'm going to get to use it. You do get to use it. And this is one I wanted to save it for last for a reason, and I'll tell you about that when we're done. All right. Well, this is from The Chosen, and this is the scene where Jesus comes in and heals the paralytic. This is Matthew 9, and in this, you basically have the, the Pharisee thinks what Jesus is doing is blasphemy and is calling out, the son of God of all people and saying, who are you? And you could have learned from no uh, Pharisee down in Nazareth and all this kind of stuff. And basically just put, trying to put a bunch of shame on the son of God. Could you, could you imagine a more prideful thing? But that's what's going on in this scene. You just kind of listen and let it kind of play out and we'll talk. Jesus of Nazareth. I saw what you did to the leper on the road this morning. My friend, has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no hope but you. Please, do for him what you did for the leper. That's a rope! Put it back, man! If you are willing, Rabbi, I know you can do this. You? By whose authority do you teach? Answer me! If you are willing, Rabbi, you know you can. Hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? It's easy to say anything, no? But to show you and so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, my son, rise. Pick up your bed and go home. And then as you go on in Matthew, you get into Matthew 11. So there you have a single Pharisee that has a lot of pride. And then you get to Matthew 11. I love it where he's kind of comparing the cities. Basically, Teresan and Bethsaida, woe to you, for they're like Tyre and Sidon. And basically saying, if Tyre and Sidon would have been shown what you were shown, they would have repented. And does the same thing with Capernaum to Sodom and said, Sodom would remain to this day if they knew what you knew and saw what you saw and had all the signs and wonders and miracles that Jesus brought to them in the message. It's just very deep. And where it kind of for me, it kind of culminates then to the point of, well, how far 
can pride take you? So they they go to the synagogue in Matthew 12, and you've got the guy with the hand that needs to be healed, and they want to trap him, right? Like, who can you heal on the Sabbath? And, of course, Jesus then explains it's good to do good on the Sabbath because who wouldn't go get his sheep out of the ditch? And basically, it gets to the point where they end up then at the end there, that little in twelve fourteen. but the Pharisees went out and conspired against him and to how they might destroy him. So that it takes them all the way to murder. Murdering a guy that all he's doing is good, explaining to them that it is, it's good to do good any day of the week. <laughs> I, and they want to kill him for it. That's how far pride can really run us down, like it did with Satan. Thank you. The the reason I did want to play that that clip last was it makes a point that you know Jesus is trying to live out his calling, and the thing that he runs up against that that ultimately tries to take him out is pride, mm. where people can't handle what he's doing. And should we expect that our experience will be anything other than that? Mm. When we try to live out our calling, that we're going to run up against people that have pride, that, you know, make fun of our show because we use movie clips or, or whatever that might be, you know, that it's not the format they would like. I don't know who does or doesn't. <laughs> I don't really care because I feel like we're doing the things God's called us to do. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But you're going to run up against that, and you should expect it when you're trying to live out your life in, in that calling. Right, if you're walking with him, that it's going to be opposed. Yeah. Right. And so, at, uh, the other thing I was interesting, there were leopards back in, <laughs> in Nazareth, apparently. I know it's leper, but I swear we're she says. We're just PETA friendly here. Yeah. She, I think she does say leopard twice <laughs> in there. So, just saying. So, I'll share a story um, about pride. I was at this point maybe 24. Yeah, about 24, 25. Had a a brand new baby at home. You know, um, she was a year and a half, two years old, something like that. And I got a new boss at work. And and it was somebody that had been promoted out of a different area into this area. She'd kind of come from, like, purchasing and then was over over me and and stuff and the people in the field. And um, she just had a lot of questions. And it was at a time that I was really incredibly stressed. You know, they had me spread way too thin. This was back in California. And, and I remember she would just call me and call me and call me and ask me questions, and I'd have to explain and, and all that. And I didn't mean this in any way, shape, or form as a sexist comment. But I just said, why don't you let the field people do what the field people do and you do what the office people do, and we'll all get our job done. Right. And a week later, I was out of work. <laughs> it was that quickly because she heard it completely different what, mm-hmm. than what I intended it. For one, I would mm-hmm. never make that statement, but it also taught me a lesson about being very uh, slow to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know you guys have a hard time believing that, but no, <laughs> slow to speak, especially in certain situations, and to evaluate things a lot differently, and to be very intentional with communication, because it hit right at the time that California was going into a recession, and so I didn't find another job in the construction industry for about uh, six months. You know, and I was mowing yards and installing sprinkler systems and doing whatever I could to oh, keep my family fed. that was fed. a humbling part of the story, it, right? <laughs> yeah, it was very humbling. And I had lots of time as I was cutting yards to think about the, what I had said and, and how not to do it again. But it was a, a prideful response. 
to her. Mm. You know, it was came from a place of frustration, but it was mm-hmm. like, I have better things to do than to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, she was my boss. Right. And I learned very quickly. That was not the way to handle things. Yeah. I had a similar thing. So when I was young in my career, I was much more humble. I was just doing my stuff at my level. I was getting promoted on a good regular basis there. And then I found out about, what was this? Maybe five years in, there was a manager's position that came open. I was like, man, I'd kind of like to apply, but I'm like, I really didn't think honestly I was ready to be a manager. And if I would have actually applied, went in and said that, I probably would have been the manager because I'd been looking and I had everybody afterwards, you know, that were like above me. Well, why didn't you apply for that? Well, I didn't think I was ready. Well, most people thought you were going to get it. I'm like, where does this coming from? You know, next thing you know, I'm in a situation where I can be a leader in things and I am the leader. And next thing I'm, I'm very prideful about that thinking, oh, I can do much more than what I thought. Cause back then I could do, you know, people thought I could do more. So now I took it the wrong way and I'm on the other side of it. And I made comments to my boss that I shouldn't have made. And next thing you know, I think that was a big part of me being bounced out of my job at that time. So yeah, it, it, you can swing many different ways into how you want to use those situations to grow you or to kill you. And that's where I think God stepped in. It's like a couple of different times, like, no, no, no. And I really find myself much easier now to, to stop and go, okay, why are you going, going to go into this conversation with, where are you going in the meeting with, what are you going to, you know, what are you trying to achieve by even trying to do anything at work and trying to build something? And it's like, I, I really have to check myself. Mm-hmm. Seems like that happens to a lot of us. There was a, a time in my life when I thought I was the real hot shot in the programming world. I even got in and modified IBM's operating system on the computer so that I could take it over. I created my own precompilers so that I didn't have to generate a lot of coding that was housekeeping cuts kind of stuff. And I'll have to admit that uh, I became very prideful about that. And so a situation arose in the company where my boss uh, had issues and had to go out on retirement. And when he did, his boss took a guy that I had hired out of college and trained and made him my boss. And that was what led to me coming to North Carolina, which was a great thing, as it turns out. But my pride, I think, led to my downfall. Yeah, pride comes before a fall. I think that's kind of a scripture right there. Right? And we've all lived it. We've all felt Actually, it. Actually, before destruction, a uh, haughty spirit true. comes before a fall. Hey, Bob, real quick, where can they get <laughs> information about your, web, uh, about your upcoming boot camps? It's at centralohiobootcamp.com. And go to masculinejourney.org for our boot camp and entrenchment coming up this fall. Talk to you next week. This is the Truth Network.